Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another one of our Sunday night live spaces. We have a whole lot to talk about tonight. So before we get too far into things, I know that Sarah's a little uh, limited in two regards to what subjects she can speak to because of what the work that she does professionally. But I had something that I wanted to talk about um, it, without getting Sarah in any trouble. So I'm going to take the first chunk. <laughs> and the plan for tonight, <laughs> there you are. Um, the, the plan for tonight is we've got a couple of topics that we're going to rip through, and then we want to try to have another open mic because we had some really good conversation last week, and we want to try to make sure that we are providing that opportunity again this week for anybody who has anything that they want to say. So to start with, I want to talk about the N95 mask donation question. Um and this is a bit of a, 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 a newer development over the last 24 hours. We got tagged in a tweet where somebody pointed out that there was a company last year in January of 2021 that were publicly talking about and released a PR statement where they were talking about the fact that they had donated 90,000 and 95 masks uh, to make sure that every teacher in Alberta got an N95 mask. Um, Adriana LaGrange was quoted in the statement as saying that she was thrilled at how well everybody was able to work together to get stuff done. And we hadn't heard of any teachers getting N95 masks. So last night, fairly late last night, actually, we put out a tweet asking, hey, are there any teachers who received these one of these 90,000 N95 masks that were donated by this company. And we have, over less than 24 hours, heard from more than now 250 teachers, not just in regards to Twitter replies, uh, but from DMs as well. And these are teachers from all across the province. So we're talking about the major municipalities like Calgary and Edmonton, Red Deer, Lethbridge, uh, but also a boatload of smaller municipalities and smaller school districts. And we have not yet received one response from any of those 250 teachers. And it's worth noting as well that quite a few of those DMs that we received, people were talking about the fact that they had... Uh, not seen anybody in their school and we received some dms from people who are part of school boards as well school board trustees who said that they never received any of these 90,000 uh and 95 masks that were donated and intended for teachers working in the schools that does not seem to have materialized so this has generated a tremendous conversation around the fact that nobody knows what happens with these masks where did these masks go and it, it is really bizarre to me 
that something that could be such an easy win for this government as to say, hey, we negotiated this deal. These teachers got these masks. Look at how great we are for providing the N95 masks. Uh, that's a tremendously easy win for them. And yet, for some reason, none of these purported 90,000 masks have found their way to any teachers that we've been able to identify as of yet. Now, I want to be very clear, if, if anybody is able to provide any sort of, well, actually, they sent all 90,000 masks to, I don't know, Grand Prairie, and Grand Prairie just kept them all for themselves, we'll, we'll happily own that. But as, as of right now, we have not been able to find anybody who's able to confirm that these masks ever made it into the hands of any of the teachers who've been working on the front lines of this pandemic. And this leads us into tonight's topic. Uh, well, our first topic anyways, which is going to have to do with everybody's going back to school, back to preschool tomorrow. And there's already been some pretty major bumps in the road. We received a bunch of DMs from teachers who uh, still have a boatload of unresolved questions in regards to what back to school is going to look like. There's a lot of teachers and parents who are quite alarmed by the fact that the masks won't be arriving for the overwhelming majority of schools in Alberta till the end of the week, if not early next week. And it just came out today that a lot of those masks are going to have to actually be repackaged by teachers as if they don't have enough on their plate with everything that's going on in order to, to make sure that students and teachers get the right amount of masks because they haven't been packaged appropriately to send them home right out of the gates. But we're also now starting to see emails from schools and from preschools uh, raising some, some alarm. And Sarah, this is where I'm going to tap you in. Is it the moment where I'm having my nervous breakdown of the night? That's right. Okay. So, <laughs> so our nine years old is going back to school tomorrow. Uh, she has some pretty nifty can 95 masks. So we will be keeping the uh, ASTM grade two. So in the mass grades in the me medical world, there's ASTM one, ASTM two, ASTM three. ASTM one is your basic flimsy little mask. ASTM two is a little better. And ASTM three is like considered somewhat like the Cadillac of the surgical mask. Okay, so uh, kids are getting ASTM twos. Um, teachers are getting ASTM threes and, uh, my kid will be sent home with two boxes of, um, rapid tests. Cool. Then later this afternoon, like everybody knows I have a 14 months old. We took her out of daycare last week because I was like, you know what? Coming from Christmas, uh, we're going to wait a little bit. And Tonight, I got two emails. I'm not going to name the daycare because you just can't. Um, they managed to avoid cases throughout the whole pandemic until today. I got two emails coming in, I think confirming five cases. So the first email was two teachers. It's like, okay, it's fine. It's okay. It's, you know, teachers. But in, in the second one, there was a child involved. So I was like, you know what? Hard pass. So to the parents out there tonight and guardians that are listening to us, there's no wrong decision. Look at your options, 
consider your options. If it is doable and you want to keep your child home, try to make arrangements with your employer. It is extremely stressful, and I hear you. It is extremely, I am extremely lucky because I work for myself, um, but I hear you. Those, uh, there's programs in place to take care of kids. Uh, if you are uncomfortable with the amount of cases that are coming up in your daycare, it is okay to keep the kids home. The ones under five years old are not vaccinated yet. I'm just trying to hang on until my youngest can get vaccinated. That's really, I'm trying to push COVID away until she gets vaccinated. Our nine years old is getting fully vaccinated in two weeks. But I hear you. And those were the first letters that we were getting from daycare since she started in August, because she started when she was nine months old. Um, and it's heartbreaking, and my heart sank. And it's not going to be easy in the next few weeks, but I hear you, and please remind yourself that there's no wrong decisions. Yeah, I think it's really important to be clear, and especially this is one thing that I, I promised myself I was going to point out tonight. Um, there's no question that tensions are going to be really, really high for just about everybody over the next couple of weeks because yes. everybody's going to be really scared about sending their kids back to school if that's what they've decided to do. Um, and everybody's going to be sort of waiting to see what's going to happen or is uh, Am I going to get a notification? Is my kid going to get sick? How am I going to navigate that? And the big thing that I wanted to stress to everybody out there is uh, it's really, really important that if you're going to be angry, that's okay. I spend a lot of my day angry, but make sure that you're place, putting that anger in the right direction. And the last direction that it needs to be pointed right now is the teachers who are struggling to do the very best that they can under extremely difficult circumstances. So it, things are going to be bumpy. We know that. And we know that there's probably going to be more changes coming down the line. Mm -hmm. Um it, Things will change. It's yeah. a very, like in my world, we like to use the word, the word fluid. It's a very fluid situation right yes. now. Yeah. It is constantly moving. The best, So take some you time if you can for 20 minutes. Try to do some self-care. I'm horrible at this. I don't even know why I'm saying that because I'm terrible at doing self-care. Uh, when I'm stressed, I nap. But that's that's a discussion for another day. But be sure that you listen to your kids. Try to reassure them as well. Like my nine years old tonight was like, well, I don't want to go to school tomorrow. She doesn't have a choice. She needs to go to school. If I could keep her home, I would. But she has to go. Um, take a deep breath. Take three coffees to morning. And whatever decision you make will be the right one. Yeah. If and, and and again, just make sure that you're not projecting that that anger and that stress onto people who don't deserve it. Instead, yep. put it on people who do, which is going to bring us to our first topic. <laughs> Zing. So we uh, we got a DM earlier in the week, uh, an anonymous DM, which is 
something that I just can't say thanks enough for. We, the, the fact that there are so many people out there who are willing to trust us to put what they want uh, put out into the world uh, and make their voices heard, but in a way that's not going to get any reprisal for them. That just that just means the world to us. Um, but we did get a DM with a two photographs. One was a photograph of a, a set of rules at a hockey arena, which were very very clear that masking had to be worn at all time. No food or beverages were allowed, uh, and social distancing was required. And the second picture was a picture of UCP MLA. Dale Nally with his mask down holding a cup of coffee. And this has created a bunch of very interesting conversations because on one hand, there's no question that that's, uh, that's not somebody following the rules. That's somebody breaking the rules. There's no question that that is uh, an abdication of leadership in a public venue. I mean, we're not talking about somebody doing this inside of their home. We're not talking about somebody doing this even at a private table at a restaurant. We're talking about somebody doing this in the middle of a hockey arena. Um, and that has created a whole bunch of, of frustration and, and rightly placed anger. But the other question that's come up that has gone resoundly unanswered is the question that Jason Kenney did say that if any other MLAs were seen to be openly flaunting uh, COVID rules, uh, rules that were made by his government, that uh, they would be removed from caucus. And it has been absolute crickets from the UCP side of things in regards to whether or not there would be even be any consequences, even a, maybe perhaps a, a sternly worded email uh, for Mr. Nally. Sarah, I want to get your take on the communication strategy, that, if, that, if that's a thing. Um, I mean, we did see uh, one of the premier's main communication guys try to pick a fight with uh an ex-ndp mla on one of one of our threads which was fascinating to watch um but what do you make of this this communication strategy from the premier and his office where he says if, if anybody breaks the rules oh boy guys there's going to be consequences and then somebody is photographed breaking the rules and they go squirrel <laughs> The right hand is not talking to the left hand, and it's like addressing a class of kindergarten. You can like, no, 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 you can do that, and they turn around, they do it. It's it's really that's all there is to it. It's the certain MLAs are feeling entitled to their personal opinions. They don't think they will be seen. They don't think someone will notice. And they try to outsmart everybody, and it does not work. That's really... But the, the communication, he said, yeah, 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 he did. And I think he was fairly clear. Um, I think the caucus got whipped pretty well in regards to uh, Christmas vacations, because there was not really any scandals this year. Um, but for those kind of restrictions... The, uh, all I think there is to it is the dude just sat down and was like, you know what, the heck with it. Who will see me take a sip of my coffee? And but... I don't think there was any much thought into it. And then, well, and then the premier's office needs to enforce, but then rural caucus. But then, yeah, but it was just a coffee. But then, yeah, but maybe we'll just give him a chance. 
Well, the challenge for me is that, you know, I, I, I and we certainly did see more than a few people who stepped up and said, ah, it's just a cup of coffee. He probably just had his mask down for a second. But included yeah. with those pictures was a very clear uh, statement that this wasn't just I'm going to take my mask down for a sec to have a sip of the coffee that I'm not supposed to have in here anyways. This was I wanted to keep my chin warm for the entire second period. So the mask was down for a full third of the game. Mm -hmm. And, and that's where it loses. Like if you wanted to go, ah, it's just a cup of coffee. Ah, he just had it down for a second. I mean, I, I still think the principle applies that no, you broke the rules that you made. Let's say that enforcement is not their specialty. That's probably a very safe statement. Um, <laughs> let's, let's go with that. Let's go with that. Um, I want to talk about the feel-good story of the week, though. Yes. Because, and this was particularly for me, uh, speaking on a, on a just as Nate for Nate um, standpoint. Uh, actually, you know what? Before we move on, we already have our first hand up. So, um, who does? That's that's Darius B, who's got a lovely picture of a bear holding uh, a cake. So let's see what, what Darius has to say. Darius Beargard. <laughs> Darius, what's going on tonight? Uh, I actually just wanted to quickly chime in just to say, uh, you know, to the breakdown, uh, you guys are fantastic. I love reading your stuff on Twitter and keeping us informed and holding the UCP accountable. Uh, just want to just express a big thank you from my end, and that's all I wanted to say there. Oh, thanks, man. That's 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 very nice. Thank you for that. They do like us, Sarah. They really do thank like you. us. Oh, thank you. Um, now I want cake. Now I, I want cake too. Now I make a great <laughs> cake. You guys find yourself in Lethbridge. I will make you cake. No question. I. I'm, I've been stress eating a lot. <laughs> <laughs> I want to talk about the feel good story. Yes. So for a little bit of background context, um, Nate foolishly ran in a municipal election recently. And in that municipal election, Nate found himself in a prolonged uh, kerfuffle, I think is the technical term, dust up, brouhaha with uh, a certain mayoral candidate who, sorry, mayoral elect candidate, I should use his catchphrase, uh, where where he made all kinds of wonderful threats in my direction and said all kinds of wonderful things about me. And I got like an hour and a half on his show. For those of you that haven't figured it out yet, I'm talking about Mr. Kevin J. Johnston. And this year started off, you couldn't have asked really for a better news story just to i think lift everyone's spirits um (laughs) (laughs) so here's the thing so unfortunately i'm not so i heard how everything went down at the border and i can't share it guys (laughs) it's I can't even. It's. <laughs> I don't want him back in this city. I really don't. Well, he's he is apparently back as of today. Uh, he's he's back yeah. in police custody. He's gonna he's gonna. I imagine there will be a couple more charges that come out of the events. For anyone who doesn't know what we're giggling about, Kevin J. Johnson, uh, who 
has said a lot of very racist things in the past, so much so that he has a major defamation judgment pending against him in Ontario. Uh, he has pending criminal charges in, I believe it's Dawson's Creek, for assaulting a store manager. Uh, and he has oh, jail time. I forgot t- that one. Yeah, no, that one's still coming too. Really? Uh, and he has jail time that he's supposed to be serving in Calgary uh, for a bunch of breach of charges and contempt of court and a whole bunch of different things. Um, so he decided earlier this week that he was going to try to seek political asylum in the United States because Canada is a fascist state that was going to have him killed. He decided to try to reach this political asylum by waiting for some of the coldest weather of the year and walking by varying degrees, either 18 miles or 30 miles. It depends on who's telling the story. I expect the different, the distance will just get longer as it goes. Um, in minus 30 weather in the middle of a snowstorm and he had to be rescued by the border patrol services on the south side of the border. And it was one of the fastest by, by Mr. Johnston's own account, because he did release a, a, a statement that was, wonderful to listen to it was Uh, so erratic (laughs) it was like oh get some help yeah he he did release a statement where he he said it was the quickest extradition in the history of extraditions um and he's now back in canada and back Mm -hmm. in custody but the reason why i wanted to bring this up not only because uh i think he's a I don't, I don't like Mr. Johnston. I think he's a bad man that does real harm to a lot of different people. But we actually are dropping our new episode on Wednesday where we talk to Kurt Phillips, who is one of the founders of the Anti-Racist Collective. He's a board member for Anti-Hate Canada. And we have a whole big conversation about the freedom rallies. We have a whole big conversation about how they're being used to recruit people for some straight up ugly racist stuff um and how there are certain key figures uh like mr johnston uh who are straight up predatory uh and they're taking advantage of people and we saw this even with some of the statements from some of his his uh friends i guess i don't know uh, where they even openly said, yeah, he totally did claim that he was raising money for things and then pocketed the rest. Um, those are those are videos that are, are readily available uh, across the interweb. So there's really no question that, that there are actors who have been manipulating the, the COVID freedom narrative, not because they give a rat's ass about freedom, but because they can make money off of people who are scared and yeah. ill-informed. But and you know, you know what I cannot wait for. Do tell. To, to see uh, the financial statements of his mayoral campaign. Oh, you think he's going to submit them? Oh, hell no. (laughs) He's going to get in trouble on that one, too. Because it's like, hey, just send the money to my Gmail. As everybody knows, every single transaction needs to be recorded. And you you are legally uh, responsible to issue. I I know a thing or two about campaign finances. But (laughs) in a big nutshell, you get money, you record it, you send a receipt, and then your expenses... Then you have your donations, minus your expenses, and then you should have 
idly a number over zero, and then the overage, uh, the remaining of the funds that you have fundraised for your campaign, usually go to charities that you decide to. Uh, so I really can't wait to see what is going to happen here. Oh, it's, I'm, I'm it's gobsmacking. Yeah, I'm waiting for the formation of a registered Save Kevin J. Johnston charity, and all of the remaining money will will go there. That's that's what I'm I'm putting my money on. Um, so yeah, yeah. Um, I I just had to make sure that but I referenced that because he like he did he like threatened to sue me and send people to my house, and that's not cool. Yeah, well he he's he's not doing well. No, it's but he, it's nice. He, he has it too. It's it's um, nice to see karma. Just it's one of the big <laughs> believer. If you if you just if you, if you if you be a nice person and you 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 let the universe do your dirty work for you, it usually will. Yeah. Um, let's talk about the changes to ticketing rules real quick because I, I want to get into that before we get into the the last part of the 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 meat of things. Yeah. Um, so there's been quite a bit of debate about this. For anyone who's not familiar, the UCP have introduced legislation that changes the way that people can um, plead, I guess is the word, in regards to traffic infarctions. So these are not criminal charges. These are, are fines. So when you get a ticket for speeding, for example, historically, you had the choice of paying the ticket uh, or going to the, the court date, showing up in court, pleading your case, and the judge would then either say, well, yeah, but they got you on video, so there's that. Uh, or the judge would say, well, it sounds like there was some confusing stuff. We're going to do a reduced fine. Uh, or the judge would say, yeah, they filled out the wrong date on the ticket or whatever the case may be and throw the whole thing out. That whole process has now radically changed. The UCP has justified it by saying that they're trying to free up the court system and move people through the court system faster. Faster. But what has ended up happening is depending on the amount of the fine that you're issued, you will have to pay one of two levels of non-refundable fees. So in order to get uh, your particular circumstances looked at by an adjudicator, you have to pay anywhere from $50 to $150. And you don't get that money back no matter what. So it doesn't matter what the circumstances were. And there were a couple of comments that we got where somebody had their car stolen and they received a bunch of moving violations. For them to appeal the moving violations that they got, let's say somebody blew through a couple of photo radars in a stolen car, for them to appeal those, they would, under these rules, have to pay out of their pocket a certain amount of money that they're not going to get back Per infarction. So you can imagine somebody steals a car and goes ripping down a road uh, at twice the speed limit and blows through a bunch of red light cameras. Now, all of a sudden, the person who had their car stolen, they weren't in the car. They just got their car stolen. Now that person is on the hook to navigate this whole process. And in order to do that, they have to pay. So there's a whole lot of questions going on. Sarah, what do you make of all this? I, I never thought I would see... Uh, the government making a case for uh, monetization of the justice system and try to make it income positive. I never thought that I would see that in my day. Um, it's quite interesting. It's I. It's probably more of a deceiving campaign. Um, but again, 
uh, the single parent who got a ticket, but it was there's an error, uh, you know, tons of circumstances around it. Uh, will now have to disburse a certain fee to avoid to pay that three or four hundred dollar ticket, and it's not guaranteed. Again, uh, it's creating more. We're looking at more and more different. What they the, the word? I don't want to use class because it's bad. Like a cast, like different levels of affordability in the justice system now. Yes, which is quite interesting to see. But what? But why? Because you know who could save that? Who could use that four hundred dollars? Is that single parent who's already struggle struggling to make ends meet? that will have to pay 50 or or $100 to go in court, and it's not guaranteed that the decision will be overturned. So then there are going to be $500 in the hole, which is quite interesting. Uh, again, it's, a very, it's going to make the, the system even more unequal. Um, and then the people who cannot afford such procedures and to take the time off work and to get the kids babysat and, and some and some and some, it, it's not giving a fair chance. I understand that they want to free up the court system, but I strongly believe that this is not the proper solution. I'm inclined to agree. Darius the Cake Bear, you have your hand back up. Yeah, so I think what this is doing in kind of my perspective uh, is it's not a matter of freeing up the court system. So I'm thinking back to the transport minister under the NDP, uh, he came down hard on municipalities that were using speed stops uh, as essentially a way to um, bolster the city's uh, coffers, right? They had people sat at really ridiculous locations, like just on the other side of a speed limit sign or just before it, and go, oh, look, you're hooped. There was a really well-known one in Coaldale. Like, they had a speed trap there. Like, I think yeah. it was 20 meters in front of uh, a speed limit sign. What I think this is for is the uh, UCP are realizing the coffers are getting lower and lower and lower because they gave more and more uh, you know, breaks to, uh, you know, billionaire companies that didn't really need it. And this is a way for them to milk people for money, right? That's what it is at the end of the day. If you've got to pay a $50 fee, like in the scenarios you suggested, right? They go through a bunch of speed traps and they set them all off and it's a stolen car. But if they got to pay a $50 fee for all 10 tickets, they've now paid $500 and that's money that yeah. they just get to keep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and it's, it really is, though, I think Sarah raised an excellent point that the, it really does create different tiers of, of a justice system, unfortunately, where, where people um, don't have the ability necessarily to, to access uh, the the justice system if they don't have the the money to do it and and where this gets to be a particular concern for me is i look at the situation and i find myself wondering um you know if this is if this is how we're we're moving to clear up air quotes the the uh the traffic system how how 
it's not once the precedent is set that this is how we're going to do things it's not a huge leap to say uh you know what we're going to do this as well for all of the other minor infractions so now we're going to include c train tickets and that then puts people who are using public transit in a position, particularly when we're talking about some of the houseless population or the near to houseless population, that puts them in a position where they're, they're faced with either having these tickets hanging over them or trying to come up with enough money to request an adjudication. And it's, 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 it's just a very, very dangerous, slippery slope. One of the other things that I wanted to, to touch on tonight is the fact that after a very long time of seeing either relatively flat uh, or decreasing ICU admissions, we are starting to see a significant bump up over the last couple of days. Uh, and that's something that I think everybody should be paying close attention to. Uh, over the last couple of days, we've seen greater than a 20% increase in ICU admissions. And that's coming from a uh, an account that has been incredibly reliable. Uh, so it is the the Bed Hunters Twitter account. They're, they have been consistently correct uh, with daily numbers, which is great because we're not really getting reliable, consistent numbers from the province anymore. Um, and we were going to talk a little bit about the what numbers we should be paying attention to, but we got another hand up. So I'm going to, uh, it looks like Ben something... Uh, you're asking to speak, so we'll add you as a speaker, um, and you can jump in. What do you want to say there, Ben? Hello, guys. How are you? Oh, hi. Hey, Ben. How are hi. you doing today? It's a pleasure to speak to you guys. Um, I want to comment on a couple of things. Now, uh, the first one is um, the one about uh, a set of rules for everyone else and a different set of rules for UCP MLAs. I mean, you know, at this point, given the nice long list on Reddit of the UCP transgressions, this this one doesn't even make it to page 18. So I think, I think most people have just given up on believing that the rules are meant for everybody. So in this time, last we were talking about Aloha Gate. And, you know, the point is, if there's nothing that comes close to Aloha Gate, it doesn't really register anymore. It's sad, but this is where we are. I also want to talk about the uh, the change, the proposed changes to um, traffic um, rules here. I think obviously they are wrong, and they disproportionately affect low-income people, and. Everyone has said regularly that this is a bit of a racket. Municipalities make money from it. The police, I believe, is $22 million they get fixed. The province also makes money from it. They all get a cut. And so they have a strong interest in perpetuating these inequalities. I want a system a bit like what happens in the UK and elsewhere, where if your ticket doesn't get to you in two weeks, then it is null and void. I want a system where all speed cameras are painted bright yellow. I mean, if the whole point is this particular area is so dangerous 
and we want to catch people who drive poorly in that area, well, I think it's better to deter than to make allow people to commit the offense, possible people die, and then get money off it. So if we want to be transparent, how about we paint all these fake speed cameras bright yellow, again, like it's done in the UK and elsewhere, so that they don't look like typical road infrastructure. Now, I, th I disagree with, uh, with these proposed changes also because I think justice should really be accessible. And I want to perhaps let's see us get to an online court. The idea that you have to travel from wherever you are in a gasoline-powered vehicle just to go for a ticket here and it's dumb. Let's have these online courts because, I mean, if Parliament runs online, why can't these online courts deal with these tickets? And in that case, it would save some money. And, and I want to see some of these changes that would benefit the ordinary person instead of these changes that only benefit municipalities, the police, and the province. Let's 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 have some some fairness in here and some transparency in the system. Above all, folks, good luck on your hard work. Happy New Year. Oh, thank you. Happy thank New you. Year. Thank you. Happy New well. Year. Yeah, I think you I think you really hit the the nail on the head with a couple of things there. Um, <clears throat> the the accessibility piece is is so critical and I could not agree with you more on the the deterrence side. When I was growing up, there was a uh, an intersection not far from my house that was notorious for serious fatal collisions. And when they put up the big signs that said photo radar, speed radar going in here, those collisions stopped happening. And I think that the value of the the, the cameras and, and the value of, of where we should be putting our energy absolutely should be in the places where we're not cleaning up the mess after the fact, we're preventing the mess. So I think you, I think you made some excellent points there, Ben. Thank you very much for that. Sir, you got anything? No, the UK just makes so more sense. <laughs> like... We got to go with what makes sense. Like what I, I like about the UK system as well is that your taxes are filed automatically every year. And if you want some deductions, you need to file for the deductions and everything is done in the background. Like Europe is so much more advanced than we are on certain points. It's, I, uh, it makes me sad. Yeah. There's, yeah. I think that they, it boils. You, you boiled it down really well. There's so many different ways that we could be doing things better. It just, yeah. we, we lack the the political will. But just just for an example, like my 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 uh, uncle's in Switzerland. Um, one day we got out of the pub. My uncle was driving. He was driving. I don't know, 140 or something. He was able to drive. He was not over anything, but he was speeding. And I was like, well, you should slow down. He was like, eh, it's just a hundred bucks anyways. That was his reaction. Yeah, that's not great. That's not great. So I think we need to have more proactive, uh, be proactive, not always reactive. And yeah. that's, that's the, the problem with our society right now is that there's a lot of reactionary uh, decisions that are being made. There's not enough prophylaxis at the end of the day. Yeah, well, certainly yeah. with our almost our the entirety of our COVID response, we could definitely say that. Um, it's like, oh shit, 
Oh, shit. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, we're good. Oh, you teed that one up way too well. So we're going to do it. <laughs> so one of the things that people have been talking about is what are the meaningful measures yes. when it comes to monitoring COVID-19 right now? Now, I would be happy to say that some of the meaningful metrics include things like ICU admissions, for sure, include things like hospital admissions, for sure. I would also be happy to argue that we should be taking a look at where the frontline strain is happening on our healthcare system. Systems as well. Now, I have to be totally disclosure here so nobody thinks that I'm trying to sneak in an agenda. I work as a paramedic, and we have seen the Health Science Association of Alberta. We had the president uh, on the show a couple weeks back, and we have seen the HSAA has started up a campaign where they're letting people know when there are no ambulances or when there are really, really long ambulances and we response times. And we heard from uh, Mike in that interview where he was talking about the fact that the ambulance system in Alberta is experiencing it's in a state that is normally only reserved for major disasters like plane crashes or uh, huge, huge, huge Hollywood level events. And that's what ambulances are navigating every day. And part of that, absolutely. It's, like, it's, it's, a, it's a multifaceted problem, there's no question. But it, the fact that rising COVID numbers and the fact that more people are calling 911 because they need assistance or they're scared or they're really, really sick because of COVID, has an impact on the EMS system. And that's one of the other metrics that I think we should be looking at. But it's not the most fun metric that we could be talking about. It is not. Sarah, you go. It's the poop water. So here's the thing. Um, University of Calgary has a program that measures the amount of RNA, the virus of COVID-19. It measures... Um, the quantities of virus in our sewage system. And then it gives you a really good indicator of, you know, how bad things are. Um, I'm sure a lot of people have seen those graphics in the past. So first wave, first wave. it's not really the first wave. It's the first when uh, the first occurrence of COVID-19 in the province, it was low blip. And then we saw the second wave, it was like, oh, a little bit higher. Then the third wave, oh, and then the fourth wave spiked. And then what we are noticing is that there, we're running out of room in the graph for the yeah, vertical no, we need, line we, we, here. We need a new graph. The y-axis is running out of space. Uh, we kind of need to change the numbers a little bit because there's so much RNA right now in the water. Um, there's so much COVID-19 iron in the water, which everybody uses bathrooms. Everybody. And um, COVID-19 is being excreted uh, via urine and feces. And uh, so, yeah, so that's one of the good, good, good indicators. Uh, because, guys, just forget about the daily numbers. It's, they're not relevant anymore. Well, there's, the, they're so restricted as to who exactly. can even get tested. The People are rapid testing in the communities. Yeah. It's Exactly. It's, the percentage, yes, can be interesting. Um, the system is under huge strain. I even saw a couple of emails this week 
making rounds saying that AHS is trying to see which staff can go in open brackets volunteer uh, for vaccination campaigns and now then be at the forefront of the fifth wave. Um, it appears that they're getting ready for it through what I got. Um, but the numbers, guys, anymore, it's a very select group that is able to go get tested. And now with the rapid test and, you know, work. And that's the thing with the distribution of rapid tests is that we are able to, we are, I think the vision from what they are trying to do is try eventually to move into a more endemic position where, you know, well, you think you're pregnant, you take a pregnancy test. You think you have COVID, you take a COVID test. And then you take the measures that are appropriate for your diagnosis via the rapid test. Um, but the poop water, guys, the, the secret is in the poop water. And I know it's disgusting, right? Well, I used to be a financial controller for an electrical company that was building um, wastewater plants, if that helps. So I've seen a lot of poop water in my life pre pre-political career um but no so that will be the most reliable metric that we will see that we will have well of course icu uh, but again is it hospitalized for covid or hospitalized in icu then contracted covid uh, you know that i i take issue with that yeah that- I know that that's David Staples' favorite little drum to 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 wang on, but the the bottom line is is with it's that COVID. argument is yeah. it's a it's COVID it's COVID and b when you start to talk about well what were they admitted for um, I've certainly gone to patients that have they called because they have uh, they just feel really tired or family member came over and found them and they're lying on the floor and they're really really not doing well but and they so, have cancer and it's like oh they're testing positive for covid well not even you can get yeah. admitted to the hospital yeah. with a, with a chief complaint of shortness of breath i'm just giving and, an example here yeah, yeah. And and you find out because hospitals do these things called diagnostics that oh no the reason why you have shortness of breath is because you have COVID so yeah. to 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 say that people were admitted because of COVID is to me it's a disingenuous argument used by bad opinion columnists mm-hmm. because they clearly don't have any freaking clue how the healthcare system works. Sorry, I didn't mean to. I didn't know it was David Staples' point because I have him blocked. Yeah, no. Well, he 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 has he has me blocked, but we still get sunscreen caps. Yeah, so. no, I I have him blocked, but it it was a debate I was having with a group of friends this weekend, and one of them is in diagnostics, and we were discussing about that, and I was like, okay, well that. Okay, yeah, that could be. But uh, I'm sorry, I will be withdrawing my argument. Um, <laughs> you know, I'm sorry. Um, no, that's, that's cool. But see, that's that's the problem with some of the air quotes. I'm not even going to call him a jerk. He's media at best. Um, you know, he's for me. Staples in the, is in the same category as Bexty. Um, he he will say whatever inflammatory thing will get him the most attention, uh, and 
that's the problem is that because he has a platform that is utilized and repeated and amplified by our current government, uh, people hear this stuff and they go, oh, well, I, I guess if so-and-so said it, it, it must be true. There must be something to it. And unfortunately, it unless you're talking about uh, very, very specific one-offs, it's not relevant. I mean, there's a reason why that data is not tracked at all. Um, and when when Henshaw was asked at the press conference, hey, so what's the deal with this with this this data by staples um henshaw was like i don't know what to tell you man like that's not a thing that we we track and then he tried to go even farther into the weeds and what's how many people have omicron and how many and, and, and it's just here's Babe. the thing do we have people in the hospital who are sick okay then that's what we need to deal with hey Nate, i'm just looking at something because i'm browsing twitter right now and uh there's a bunch of anti-vax and it kind of just came out about an hour ago that uh, there were anti-vax protesters that showed up in front of the house of GOT Gondek. <sighs> Guys, that's not okay. No. Leave her alone. Here's the thing, and I can't believe I'm that I have to I'm sorry if I'm changing subject right no, now. No, that's, that's, that's I'm just I'm that's just cool. watching this right now. It's disgusting. Here's the thing: when you're talking about political figures that you want to protest. They have places of business. There's a reason why we have City Hall. There's a reason why we have the legislature. When you start to go on and identifying people's homes, their private homes, and it's no secret, I have some some pretty big policy beefs with Jody Gondek and her team. Um, but nobody should be going to anybody's house, period. If you take the political realm to a place where there is literally nowhere safe that someone can disengage from their job, where their families are on the line, as far as I'm concerned, you are a hair's breadth away from, if not actual terrorism, you're inciting terrorism. Because some of these people that are attending these rallies are not well. And I'm not saying that everybody who has concerns with the uh, the freedom restrictions and, and all of that stuff is mentally unhinged. I'm not saying that. I am saying there are some that are. And when you start to identify private information, you are crossing a huge line and you are changing the conversation from it being about what are the principles and issues at play to making it personal. And that is something that we should not be seeing in any political discourse. I condemned it when people went to Copping's house. I condemned it when people have gone to anyone's house. If you want to protest Jody Gondek, then by all means, march down to City Count, City Hall, set up shop in front of City Hall. And show your face. And show your face. But if when you, you have a sign, but let me say this. If you have a sign that it's called Jody Gondek and Nazi, and it's the equivalent of the Holocaust. Here, I'm going to say something. You have never lost a family member in the Holocaust, and you don't know what the fuck you're talking about. And you should just walk away and be ashamed of yourself. If you are going to walk with a sign that says that, at least have the balls to show your face. That well, the angers me 
so much. Yeah. The other thing that I would say to that is I have yet to see, I have seen many reports by many people who survived the Second World War or who lived through the world, Second World War, who have said that comparisons to the, the Holocaust and Nazi Germany are not only incredibly ignorant and ill-informed, but they are like just wrong they're just wrong i I have yet to see anybody who came out of that time period going oh yeah it's totally the same so if you're i have families i so my mother's um side of the family her my mother's adopted but her family is from france and they were jewish that immigrated into canada and uh the other side of my family unfortunately my grandfather was involved on the wrong side of things I come from a family from both sides. Yeah. And it is extremely, extremely, extremely painful to watch those idiots not understanding history, not even bothered to open one goddamn book because they can't put three words together and compare it to the Holocaust. Yeah. It's, it's heading a little too close from home. It's disgusting. Don't go to people's houses. That's that's Don't the bottom line. Stay home. Yeah. You know, there's no ambulances. If you get hit by a car, you're not gonna get help. Exactly. We have a couple of a couple of speakers who are gonna jump in and I'm gonna let them do that because yep. otherwise I'm gonna go on a rant that I'm sure will get me in all kinds of trouble. No, don't so, do that. Um Carl, you you haven't spoken yet and you just put your hand up there. So what's going on, Carl? Hey Nate, thanks for the mic and uh, thanks for hosting these spaces every Sunday. I think this is a great way for uh, everyone out here to kind of just get together and uh, and talk about what's going on in the current political atmosphere here. So um, I just when you were talking about the protests, I thought I got to throw my two cents in here because I am committing myself to protest once a week every week this year. That is my New Year's resolution. And I will be protesting at civil spaces that are that should be designated for such things to send a message to politicians. <clears throat> and uh, you know, we've had two recent problems. Uh, like you mentioned, the mayor of Calgary having people protest at her house. I mean, <clears throat> that just uh, <laughs> goes to a whole new level. So. Um, <laughs> There's two things, actually, that are really bugging me. I wanted to mention the protesting. And then I'm a little bit late coming into your, your space tonight, so maybe you've covered the topic of back to school and the current uh, numbers, or at least what we know of in the current testing uh, atmosphere that we have set up here in our province and the lack of tracing. I mean, I got a six-year-old that's going back to school tomorrow, and I, I can't. I don't know if I'm going to go to sleep tonight thinking about whether I should phone the school tomorrow morning and say no. <laughs> He's staying home with me until you guys figure out what to do with this situation. So oh, I'm just so glad you threw this space on tonight, Nate, because I get so much anxiety. And uh, thanks for passing the mic to me, and I'll pass it on and uh, see what everybody else has to say. Thanks. Cool. Well, Carl, we did we did chat about it earlier, and I'm gonna I'm gonna reiterate what what Sarah uh, said. 
Um, there are no wrong choices in regards to what you decide to do with your kid, whether or not you, you decide to keep them at home or whether or not you decide to send them to school. Everybody's trying to navigate a incredibly, and I'm going to use Sarah's word, fluid situation um, with the goalposts constantly moving, with poor information being available, with erratic information being available. And as, uh, as Ben pointed out earlier, unfortunately, and, and I really do mean this sincerely, I'm not, I'm not just dunking on the UCP because it's a day that ends in Y. Um, unfortunately, we are living through a time where people do not expect to see leadership from their government anymore. And and that is really like, you could not pick a worse possible time to to have that happen. So you are not alone in the 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 anxiety that you're experiencing because I've been getting DMs from people all week who are are scared and they're they're not sure what to do and and there is no clear right answer. So I mean, as long as well, all I would say to people as long as as long as you are doing what you believe is in the best interest of your kids and you're doing so with the best information that you have available in the time at the time that you're doing it, you're not doing anything wrong. Uh, so that's what I'll what I'll say about that. Ben, you had your hand back up. Uh, yes, I oh, did. Uh, thank you very much. Now, my key stat of choice today is almost 2 million. And that apparently is the number of people with two doses who have not booked or who have not had booster. Now, my question is, boy, why is this number so big? Are people voting with, you know, with their mouses by not booking their shots? What is happening there? And, you know, I, I think that there, there is a lot that needs to be discussed in, in, that, in that regard. The messaging which got people... Um, to pick up their shots was this was really dangerous this is scary let's get everybody vaxxed up and if you are vaxxed double vaxxed chances that you'd end up in hospital are quite low yeah. and and that coupled with that coupled with the um, new rules about the vax passport I think got the numbers up but I wonder what Sarah and your thoughts are about why we have 2 million people who don't seem particularly enthralled by the idea of getting vaxxed. And just before I finish off here, I want to say that, you know, originally the big scary thing was deaths. And then it became, okay, wait, who is actually dying? And then it became ICU admissions leading to canceled surgeries. And then it became ICU statistics not leading to canceled surgeries. And then it became infection rates. And then along the way, somewhere in there is long COVID. I'm, I'm just wondering that, you know, it appears the fluidity is a bit too much for people, and that may explain why two million people are saying, well, I'm not quite sure I'm gonna set this one out. Yeah, 
I wonder what your thoughts on on this are, please. My thoughts is that those people have not been affected yet enough for them to reach their point. And when you say affected, you mean they've not had COVID? Did not have COVID, or they got it mild, or they did not lost a loved one, or they, their surgery was not affected, or grandma's heart surgery went through um, on the personal level enough for them to understand that um, vaccine does save life and that they need to do their part as a society. Um, it's when yeah, yeah, but it's gonna come to the point where when their freedoms will be affected and their loved ones will be affected, that's when I hope and maybe, maybe I'm being a little too naive about it. Maybe then they will start thinking about getting the shot. What Maybe. I would say, what I would say, I would actually put this is this is one that I don't have any problem putting the blame square on the provincial government. And the reason why I say that is because their communications have been so shoddy and so inconsistent yeah. and so erratic since day one, one, where they've said, this is going to be our ticket out. This is going to be our ticket out. No, wait, Just this is going to be weeks. our ticket out. Just two wait, weeks. Yeah. Yes. This is we're done now. The pandemic's over. Accept it. The 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 messaging from the provincial government has been always about managing the uh, most vocal minorities in the province, and it hasn't been about managing expectations for people for how we're going to navigate this thing. And that's has been my singular biggest source of frustration throughout this whole thing, because it would have been very easy to say, you know what. This thing, it's going to evolve. It's going to change. We don't know what the next year and a half, two years, three years is going to look like. We wish we did. Here's what we do know. If you get vaccinated, the chances of you having a severe outcome are way less. We're hoping it's only going to take one or two shots, but we don't know. We already mm -hmm. get flu shots every year. So if we have to add this into that regimen in order to make sure that we can get back to normal, we believe that that's something worth doing. But that's not a message that we've ever heard from this government. It has always been, we're going to manage one week at a time and not think about the long game at all. And I think that it's that constant changing of what the expectations are that has frustrated people to the point where a lot of them are saying, man, I don't know. I'm just going to go have some, some Chinos. Moving the goalposts. Yeah. Did not help. Well, I'm going to give you just a, a little anecdotal story for you. A um, friend of mine, she's a travel agent. Somebody contacted her. They were like, okay, we're, we want to go to the States. Uh, we are not vaccinated. Uh, we're going to bring our two dogs. So we would like to drive down there. What we want to go to Florida. What do you, what can you get for us? And she was like, okay, well, you know that to be able to be allowed in the United States, your two dogs need to be fully vaccinated. They were like, well, yeah, we're responsible adults. And that is a true story. And just think about the irony right now. Yeah. Your dogs are vaccinated and good to go. But they're going to be driving 25 hours because they do not want to get vaccinated. Yeah. Coffee Cat, that. you haven't spoken yet. Well, you got yes. your hand up. And we only have a couple minutes left. So <laughs> I want to try to make sure that everybody wants to speak gets to speak because I can I can come and do these things anytime. So Coffee Cat, what's going on? Oh, thanks for having me. Um, so I just wanted to respond to Ben a bit. Um, so I think 
part of the issue is that a great majority of the population, as you said, communications is terrible. Um, and so many people have tuned out. Um, I, I personally had to inform a number of friends that they should go get their booster shot um, because they're not listening to any of the messaging because they don't feel it's worth it. Um, and then the other issue I had uh, with getting my booster recently, I, I got it yesterday. Um, I got RSV over a Christmas break. Um, I got a really bad cold and you can't get your booster while you're ill. So there are so many people out there with COVID or other respiratory or other illnesses in general um, that that's also creating a barrier for getting a booster shot. Um, mm -hmm. I also want to sorry, circle on back quickly uh, to the David Staples argument um, and just share a, a piece of information I'd seen from an Ontario doctor. Um, I wish I knew her name so I could give her proper credit. Um, and I'm not sure it's the same in our jurisdiction, but it, it there, um, when a patient is no longer infectious with COVID, they drop off the COVID patient list. Um, so if you're, if you're admitted to the ICU with COVID, whether or not it was for COVID, after their 10 days of infectious period, um, they just become a regular ICU patient. So there's a parallel mm -hmm. uh, undercounting occurring there. Um, so the, that's why the ICU numbers are typically salient. Different. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So thank you very much for having me. Oh, thank you. No Darius, I want to hand the mic back to you, Darius. Uh, and then I got one more topic that I want to hit on real quick. And then I got we got to wrap things up. So, Darius, what you got? So uh, to touch on a couple things, uh, so one thing that Coffee said, um, that is absolutely uh, how they do it in Alberta. I don't know if anybody remembers, uh, it was about a year ago, um, all of a sudden they were like, oh yeah, we had negative COVID numbers today. And everybody's like, huh, how does that work? And it was because they went back in time and adjusted those numbers down as those calculations uh, kind of came through the hole. So I'm pretty sure that is how that works in Alberta. Uh, but the thing I wanted to touch on, too, uh, was what Ben was talking about with people hesitant to get the vaccine. One of the things that made it really easy for me to get the vaccine the first and second time uh, was CERB. Um, having kind of financial backing, because in both cases, I had a severe reaction uh, that put me out of business for uh, like three or four days. Um, the second one was actually even longer than that. It was closer to a week. I was just ill as all get out. Um, I realize it's not necessarily a great excuse because if you get COVID, it could be significantly worse. But for a lot of people, what you're asking them to do is choose between a paycheck and then, you know, whether or not they, you know, COVID may or may not happen. So I think some help there, like, some guaranteed sick days or something like that can make that a lot easier for people, I think. Um, but also, yeah, the other thing you were talking about too, Sarah and uh, Sir, you two, was uh, the messaging. And the messaging is absolutely broken. The messaging is 100% broken. You had way too many people at the beginning of this thing promising like, oh, everybody gets their vaccine and it's just going to be roses from here on out. Like everything's going to be fine. Just go get your vaccine. And it was like, that's the wrong message. That's always been the wrong message. And yeah, I think if it had been managed properly, we might see something a little different, uh, you know, had that been but done with it. Also, I would like to raise the point that if we had a different CMOH, 
things might have been different as well, the way that government would have handled the pandemic so far. Uh, yeah, like if, I, I, if we would yeah. have had a CMOH that would have been uh, willing to apply the brakes, maybe we would be in a different situation. That's a big fat maybe. Oh, I don't even think that's, I don't even think that's a maybe that's like an 80, 85% guarantee. That's a, as close as you can get is to a sure bet. I'm trying to be polite for um, reasons here, but uh, I'm a cartoon bear holding a cake. I can be impolite. Nobody really cares. (laughs) (laughs) I'll I'll send you some talking points so you can just tweet them out there for me. But um, no, it's uh, I do believe that. Let's say if the previous CMOH would have still have been in his position when this hit, I think um, messaging wise and uh, measure wise, we would have been in a way 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 different position as we are today yeah i agree you know we we shouldn't have to rely on the uh, how short dr hinch's bangs are to know if we're going into a lockdown or not yep you know it's it's unfortunate i got two things i want to touch on real quick and then we're gonna wrap things up um news broke today that the city of Calgary is making some changes to what spaces are available for people to warm in. They announced that effective uh, pretty quick here at starting at 10 o'clock at night, they're going to be closing multiple C train stations because they don't want houseless people to be, uh, to be in them. And this comes on the heels of some incredibly ugly comments from the chief of staff for the mayor of Calgary. He apologized that people were offended by the comments but he did not apologize for the the comments that he made and that's uh that's a whole other separate kettle of fish we don't typically uh weigh in on the civic issues unless sarah drags us into them um but uh i just want to say uh if you live in calgary please there are i'm i'm seeing people who are houseless advocates who are just destroyed today at this news because it is moving in the absolute opposite direction of where we need to be moving to making sure that people who are part of the houseless population are safe. Write your city councillor, let them know that this is the wrong direction to be taking things. We need to be making sure that people are safe because yes, while this most recent cold snap looks like it's coming to an end, for those of us who live in Calgary, we know that if you don't like the weather in Calgary, uh, just wait five minutes. Uh, And it's also still just the beginning of January. So the odds are good that the weather is going to change again. And we need to make sure that the most vulnerable people in our society have safe places to go. Um, So I wanted to throw that out there. The other thing that I just wanted to end on a quick little note on is as I was scrolling through our Twitter mentions, I saw that actor and comedian Bob Saget died today. And as much as I hated Full House, uh, Bob Saget was a pretty impressive comedian when he wasn't pandering with the full house audience he was a huge influence on a lot of comics uh that i know uh, and that that just sucks so i just wanted to say yeah. and, and me having grown into a very french canadian environment i saw the news and i was like who 
he he was he was <laughs> Bob Sagan had a weird run because he had the America's Funniest Home Videos where he had to read poor. Then I remembered. Jokes. Yeah, but uh, when I grew up, we were not allowed to watch English TV. Yeah, I'll, I'll, that's a story for another day. That's a story. But <laughs> that's a story for another day. But um, you know, we were watching French television, and that was not a thing. And we always in Quebec, we always had the bad knockoff version of every single American show that was. Um, so it's when my nine years old started watching. Um, how do you call it? The the the, the Olsen twins, Full House. Thank you. Uh, that's where I kind of knew who he was, but today I had to be like, "Who?" He was, I was, he was like, a, "Oh, he was he was a funny guy." Yeah, don't uh, hold it against me. I'm just yeah, I'm just well, from Quebec. Nobody's holding that against you. I want to say a big thank you to everybody who shared their thoughts tonight. Uh, this is exactly the direction that we're hoping to take these things because it can get a little boring, I imagine, listening to me and Sarah pontificate for an hour. So huge thanks to everybody who came out and shared thoughts. If you didn't get a chance to or you weren't comfortable tonight, we're going to be doing it again next weekend. And if uh, for those of you that, that, that want to hear your own voices back, we do release the podcast audio of this every Monday morning. So that'll be coming out tomorrow morning. And the, sh- the plug that clears the room, here we go. I'm ready to watch everybody sign out. If you aren't already supporting us on Patreon, please consider doing so you can sign up at www.patreon.com slash the breakdown ab and uh every little bit helps because we do uh have some really exciting things uh that we're planning there's some some new equipment i've talked about it three weeks in a row now there's a new mic set that's coming out that i am so stoked for uh and we're only able to do those things because of the support of our patreon supporters i pay nate to have me on every week no 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 you you are a supporter but you don't i pay you money if you stop, if you stop being a Patriot supporter, you'd still be uh, on the show. That's, I'm it's, it's, you're not. You're not. I'm not. It's not that like that. I'm waiting for my mug. It should be coming soon. Cool. There we go. Have a good week, and please don't take it out on teachers. Yeah, be kind to. They're just trying to do their best, and that shit show.